Morning. Yeah, let's just pray. Lord, I just thank you that you're already speaking to us, individually and together. Lord, I just pray that as we focus our hearts and minds on you, as we bring all we are and just lay it at your feet, Lord, I just pray that you would rearrange us. Lord, that you'd take those things in our lives that need to be brought into alignment with you. Lord, that you'd highlight to us where we need to change, where we need to bend. And Lord, that we just reflect you better. Amen. So, I had on my heart this, this phrase about the favor of God. And it's something that you know, we often use that phrase very lightly. I think, you know, people say, oh, and it's the favor of God. And, you know, it's good to walk in the favor of God. I think sometimes, I know for me, there are times when I don't know if I'm experiencing the favor of God. Sometimes there are times when it's a dry period. <laughs> there are times when... I'm trying to get breakthrough in things, and I'm trying to hear God for things, and I'm just feeling that I'm, I'm running against a brick wall. And my heart is burning. I, like, I, I really want to do, I, I just want to do what God wants me to do. Maybe it's a decision in life, or maybe it's just trying to find his face, and I'm just finding, you know, this, this favor of God. And then sometimes it seems like the person down the street, you know, they've got the favor of God. Sometimes it seems... And I know this sounds crazy. Sometimes it seems like people in the world who don't know Jesus, they've got more favor of God than we do. I'm serious. You know, we look around and everyone else seems to have it on easy street. You know, they get the good jobs. They get the promotions. It seems like things being lavished out on them. And I'm like, Lord, I just want your face. I want your favor. Like, I don't. There was a, a psalmist called Asaph. He struggled with the same things that I struggle with. It's nice when you look in the Bible and you realize you're not the first person to struggle with stuff, isn't it? Yeah, so Asaph had a lot of the same questions as I do. In Psalm 73, uh, verses 12 and 13, he says this. He's talking about the world. This is what the wicked are like. Always free of care, they go on amassing wealth. Surely in vain have I kept my heart pure. And wash my hands in innocence. All day long I've been afflicted and every morning brings new punishments. He's like, he's going, why is it that everyone else seems to get favor and not me? What am I doing wrong? But then Asaph has this realization. He realizes you can be fat and, fat and sleek but not what God seeks. You can have earthly wealth and no real spiritual health. You can have fancy dressing and no blessing. And you can enjoy pleasures of every flavor, but that is not God's favor. Asaph Later on in the same psalm, he has this realization. He finally gets the truth. He's like, to start with, he's like, why is the world getting all this blessing? And then he realizes this, 16 to 19. He says, 
when I tried to understand all of this, you know, why do the rich get so fat? It troubled me deeply till I entered the sanctuary of God. Then I understood their final destiny. Surely you place them on slippery ground. You cast them down to ruin. How suddenly they're destroyed, completely swept away by terrors. 23 to 26, he realizes his part. Yet I am always with you. You hold me by my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, and afterward you will take me into glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire beside you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. When it comes to favor, I don't think we always understand what God's favor really is. Sometimes we think it means happiness, contentment, and it means wealth and health. That's ah, not God's favor. God's favor is a more beautiful thing than that. But this morning, I want to make things practical. And it really struck me when um, Maggie brought that, that encouragement about going to New Zealand and you know, God was answering prayer, and I mean, her story and the story of her family, God's been doing so much, so much. There's just God's faithfulness in there through trials. But God answered a very simple request with something practical that is actually paving the way for where God is taking them next. And so I, this morning, I would like to give us something practical to understand how we can find the favor of God. Because the truth is this, even though God wants to pour out his favor upon us, there's one real reason why often we don't experience God's favor. And you know what it is? In my life, I can tell you why God does not sometimes pour his favor on me. And it's one simple reason, me. There's things that I can do to step outside of God's favor. It's true. It's not that God doesn't want to pour his love over me. Of course he does. But sometimes I get in the way. So I want to give us five very short and simple points this morning. Five steps to God's favor. And if that sounds like a really, really cliched preach, good. Because it really is that simple. To do that, I'm going to use an illustration from the Bible, because God's illustration is always better than ours. And I'm going to take you back to the story of Hezekiah. So Hezekiah was a king of Judah. Um, but before I get to Hezekiah, I need to take one step back and talk about his father, a guy called Ahaz. And you'll see how Ahaz is very different to Hezekiah, and it's going to help us learn how to find God's favor. So Ahaz was what we call a bad king. So Ahaz, he, um, yeah, he was a real bad egg, like really, really bad egg. Um, he didn't follow God at all, and he just was a, he was a total rotter, and so much so that eventually he actually got threatened by the king of Syria. So the king of Syria swept through Judah and everything was going wrong. So much so that even the Israelites, that's like the, the Judeans' brothers, they had a pop 
at Judah, killed 120,000 of their warriors. Everything is against Ahaz. Ahaz is not in the Lord's favor, right? Then what happens, as if Ahaz just doesn't get it enough, what happens is that Ahaz trashes the Lord's temple. So the king of Syria is coming against him. It's all getting very, very bad. And listen how this happens. 2 Chronicles 28, 2021 says this. Tiglath-Pileser, king of Assyria, came to him. That's came to, um, to Judah, but he gave him trouble instead of help. Ahaz took some of the things from the temple of the Lord and from the royal palace and from the officials and presented them to the king of Assyria, but that didn't help him. In other words, this guy's so rotten, he actually goes into the temple of the Lord, gets the holy things of God and says, here, have these, make my troubles better. Doesn't go well. When Ahaz died, there was this tradition that would happen when a king of Judah died, they would be buried in the royal tombs. I've actually been to some of the royal tombs in Israel, and there's this place where they lie them in honor. That didn't happen to Ahaz. His people didn't even bury him in the royal tombs. So everything's doom and gloom. But then after Ahaz comes his son Hezekiah. So what happens? Hezekiah comes to the throne. His dad has basically abdicated any responsibility and given stuff away to any king that comes there. So Hezekiah takes the throne, and the king of Assyria, called Sennacherib, is like, okay, great. I know how this goes. What happens is I march my troops up to Judah, and I say, I'm the big strong king of Assyria. And what happens is I get given loads of goodies by these weak-willed people. So that's what he does. He goes into Judah and he says, right, I am now going to conquer your lands and um, let's see what happens. This is uh, 2 Chronicles um, 32.21. We've got that one. So this is what happens when he attacks the land of Judah. And the Lord sent an angel who annihilated all the fighting men and the commanders and the officers in the camp of the Assyrian king. So he withdrew to his own land in disgrace. And when he went into the temple of his God, some of his sons, his own flesh and blood, cut him down with the sword. Do you get the idea here? There's a difference between what happened when Ahaz was king and what happened when Hezekiah was king. Ahaz gave away everything from the Lord's temple and it went badly. Hezekiah, somehow, the Lord's favor is on him. Something's different about Hezekiah. I'm going to suggest to you it isn't actually different what was different about Hezekiah. It was what was different about the people of Judah. They had the Lord's favor, and they had the Lord's favor for a very good reason. This is just before Sennacherib invaded Judah. Let me tell you what happened. 2 Chronicles 30, 26, 27, it says this. This is just before the invasion. There was great joy in Jerusalem, for since the time of Solomon... Uh, time of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel, there had been nothing like this in Jerusalem. And the priests and the Levites arose and blessed the people, and their voice was heard, and their prayer came to his holy habitation in heaven. In other words, something was going on. Something was going on here, and there was a celebration as they, they found the favor of God. It says, their voice was heard. That means their voice was heard in heaven. Something was going on. 
And I want to tell you what was going on so that we can understand how in our lives we can find this ourselves and we can have victory when things come against us. So let's go back to where Ahaz was. So Ahaz had desecrated the temple. So he'd gone into the temple, he'd taken the things that were dedicated to God, and he'd just given them to the king of Assyria and said, here, look, just go away. Take these, go away, go away. Right? And it didn't go well for him. But Hezekiah comes to the throne, and when he goes and looks at the temple, and Hezekiah loved God. He loved God. He goes to the temple, and he finds the temple is a wreck. The temple is an absolute mess. It's been desecrated. And he knew that the first step to finding the Lord's, te- Lord's favor again, the first step was to put that temple in order. He needed to cleanse the temple. 2 Chronicles 29, 15, 16 says this. When they assembled their fellow Levites and consecrated themselves, they went in to purify the temple of the Lord as the king had ordered, following the word of the Lord. The priests went into the sanctuary of the Lord to purify it. They brought out to the courtyard of the Lord's temple everything unclean that they found in the temple of the Lord. Then the Levites took it and carried it out to the Kidron Valley. If we want to find the favor of the Lord, the first thing we need to do is cleanse the temple. Who can tell us what the temple of the Lord is today? We are. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 to 20. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you've received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. We are the temple of God. And who knows that we've got rubbish in our temple? (laughs) And we need to do business with God and cleanse the temple. When the priests went into the temple, it actually took them an entire week just to get the junk out of the inner part of the temple and carry it to the courtyard so that the Levites could get rid of that stuff. It took a week of hard work to cleanse that temple. And even after that was done, there was another week where they actually got the stuff that was on the outer part of the temple and they dealt with that as well. So step one is this. If we want to know what it means to have the favor of God, if we want our quiet times to be blessed with his presence, to feel his presence, start one, we have to cleanse the temple. We have to go to that inner place within us and just give it to God and allow God to come in and start to take that rubbish out, turn it out to the courtyard and take it out to Kidron. Kidron was the place where they would burn rubbish. And that's what we need to do with the stuff that's the mess inside us. So we go into the temple, we cleanse ourselves, we allow God to cleanse us. The second step we need to take, we now need to follow our leaders. You see, Hezekiah's cleansed the temple. (laughs) But under Ahaz, the people of Judah, the individuals, had done their own thing. Ahaz had been a bad leader, and who knows that if you've got a bad leader, that means that the people who follow the bad leader end up doing bad things too. That's the nature of people. So all of Judah have done all this nonsense. Hezekiah knows that God's favor is because of this, that the whole country has just given themselves to things. So now he sends out a message to the people and he says, rededicate yourself to God. 
Find God again. 2 Chronicles 38 to 12 says this. So he sends this message out. So this is the message. Do not be stiff-necked as your ancestors were. Submit to the Lord. Come to his sanctuary, which he has consecrated forever. Serve the Lord your God so that his fierce anger will turn away from you. If you return to the Lord, your fellow Israelites and your children will be shown compassion by their captors and will return to the land for the Lord your God is gracious and compassionate. He will not turn his face from you if you return to him. The couriers went out from town to town in Ephraim and Manasseh as far as Zebulun, but people scorned and ridiculed them. Nevertheless, some from Asher, Manasseh, and Zebulun humbled themselves and went to Jerusalem. Also in Judah, the hand of God was on the people to give them unity of mind to carry out what the king and his officials had ordered, following the word of the Lord. So you understand that the leaders send out this message, and a beautiful picture there. So Hezekiah was the king of Judah, but he sent that message out to Israel as well. And he said, listen, rededicate yourself to God. Come back. Come back. Not everyone followed their leaders, but some did. Some did. Some knew that they had to position themselves ready to receive what God had for them. And to do that, it meant answering the call that came out. So these people did respond. Many responded. They all came to the temple of God together and to to celebrate, they did something called Passover. So they came together at Passover, and the Passover thing, it was a, it was a symbol of the sacrifice that, um, that was to be poured out. It was when uh, the Israelites were set free from Israel, and the Passover was where they, um, the, the angel of God spared the Israelites. And so it meant this was the, the, the way that their sin was going to be covered. They were going to be set free. This was a picture looking forward to Jesus. This was the time they came together to answer the call, to find God's favor together. But something interesting happened here. So these people, they just pitched up. They just pitched up. And <laughs> if you understand in the Old Testament, things needed to be done in a very specific way. Passover was to be done in a, in a very uh, uh, structured way with certain sacrifices and cleansing and things like that. None of this happened. It all went totally wrong. 2 Chronicles 30, 17 to 20 says this, since many in the crowd had not consecrated themselves, the Levites had to kill the Passover lambs for all those who were not ceremonially clean and could not consecrate their lambs to the Lord. Although most of the many people who came from Ephraim, Manasseh, Issachar, and Zebulun had not purified themselves, yet they ate the Passover contrary to what was written. So this is like a mess up. Like, they're trying to find the favor of God. They're trying to bring themselves again to God and say, yes, Lord, I'm bringing what I have. But they're doing it the wrong way. But Hezekiah prayed for them, saying, May the Lord who is good pardon everyone who sets their heart on seeking God, the Lord, the God of their ancestors, even if they are not clean according to the rules of the sanctuary. And the Lord heard Hezekiah and healed the people.
when we answer the call. When we realize to find God's favor, we need to come back to him. We're not going to get everything right. We're not. We're broken people. Full of nonsense. Every one of us. Sometimes I know I feel so unworthy. And I come to God and I say, what am I? Uh, thank God he's gracious. He sees my heart. He knows I'm messed up, but I love him. And he says, it's okay. I'll accept you as you are. I'm not going to leave you as you are, but I'll accept you as you are because you're seeking me and you're seeking my favor. So this multitude of people descended on the temple in Jerusalem. There was lots of people there. There were lots of practical things to consider. I mean, it was a bit like setting up a 412 conference. They needed worship leaders. They needed ushers. They needed people to serve tea and coffee. Or whatever the equivalent was back then. But listen to what happened. 2 Chronicles 30, 21, 22. And the Israelites who were present in Jerusalem celebrated the festival of unleavened bread for seven days with great rejoicing, while the Levites and priests praised the Lord every day with resounding instruments dedicated to the Lord. Hezekiah spoke encouragingly to all the Levites who showed good understanding of the service of the Lord. For the seven days they ate their assigned portion and offered fellowship offerings and praised the Lord, the God of their ancestors. Step four to finding favor with God. After we've cleansed ourselves, presented ourselves, sought his face, serve well. Serve well. There were people here who stepped into the breach. They knew what was needed and they met the need. They sang with all their might. Everything they had. They worshipped people. They served their brothers and their sisters. And it says as the leaders served, everyone had great gladness. If you're struggling to find God's favor, love people, serve them, find an opportunity to serve so that we can all have great gladness with you. The last step in these five steps to God's favor from Hezekiah is simply this, be of one mind. 2 Chronicles 30, 23 to 25 says this. Then the whole assembly agreed to celebrate the festival seven more days. So for another seven days, they celebrated joyfully. Hezekiah, king of Judah, provided a thousand bulls and seven thousand sheep and goats for the assembly. The officials provided them with a thousand bulls and ten thousand sheep and goats. And a great number of priests consecrated themselves. 
the entire assembly of Judah rejoiced, along with the priests and Levites and all who had assembled from Israel, including the foreigners who had come from Israel and also those who resided in Judah. So do you get what's happening here? What's happened is that these people have come together. They've reconsecrated themselves. They've been covered by the grace of God. They've rejoiced. People have served them. They've, they've just praised God. They've praised God. And they're so in the moment, they say together, let's not stop. Let's go again. Another seven days. Let's keep going. And as one mind, they did it. And not just the Judeans who were there in Jerusalem, the visitors from Israel. In other words, all the other people that were in there, they were like, we'll do it too. Wouldn't that be amazing to have unity like that? To say we're going for it together. We're going to go for it even more together. Don't you think that that kind of unity would usher in something of the favor of God? Wherever we are in life, whatever we're facing, I do think we need to position ourselves in a place where we can receive from God. Because God is ready to pour out his favor upon us. And that might not need, mean health and wealth, but it does mean his presence and eternal assurance of the purpose and plan that he has for us. Firstly, cleanse the temple. Go into your innermost being. Open it up to God. Open it up to others, which is what we learned about this last Wednesday. Put the things right in your life that need to be cleansed. Take the rubbish out and burn it. Secondly, once you've prepared yourself and your heart, follow your leaders. Listen to them, obey them, honor them. Thirdly, be real with your heart. God doesn't want you to follow rules for the sake of following rules. God sees past that. God wants you to submit your heart's desires to him. And as you give your desires to him, those other things will fall into place. Fourthly, serve well. Everything you have within you, serve God. Serve your brothers and sisters. Do so with all your heart, all your mind, all your skill you have. And lastly, be of one mind. Think the best of one another. Love one another. Find the place where you can be united with each other. And I believe... I believe, and I think it's the story of Hezekiah, I believe that if we do these things, we'll position ourselves ready for God's favor. And when the king of Assyria comes against us, the angel of the Lord himself will step in and say, you've got no business here. These are my people, in my favor, seeking me. Moses was known for many things. Most people don't know him as a songwriter. 
But Psalm 90 is something of Moses. In verses 16 and 17, he said this. May your deeds be shown to your servants, your splendor to their children. May the favor of the Lord our God rest on us. Establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. May the favor of the Lord our God rest on us. So this morning, what I would love us to do, and I'm, I'm trusting, I'm hoping that this has stirred your heart. What I'd love us to do, actually, is to do the same today, or the equivalent today of what Hezekiah and the people did back then. So back then, when the people came to Hezekiah and they rededicated themselves to God, they took Passover together. And they did it as a sign of unity and rededicating themselves to God and positioning themselves for the favor of God. The equivalent of the Passover today is what? It's taking communion. God gave it as a remembrance of what his son did. You see, Hezekiah and those people, when they were praising God and worshiping God for seven more days, they were actually preparing themselves for something to come. For the Messiah that was going to come, that was going to pour his favor out on the people of Israel forevermore. And today we walk in that favor. We walk in that blessing because of what Jesus did. So what I would love us to do is to take communion. And just before we do that, uh, Ruan, where's Ruan? Ruan brought a word in worship. It's just a testimony, an encouragement. And I'd just like us to hear this because I think I would love every single one of us to have a testimony like this. And we can start it right now by dedicating ourselves to God. Uh, friends and family. So I just want to share quickly. Um, for a recent few weeks, the preachers and the messages has been going about, subtly going about contending for more. And um, I'd miss this somehow. I'd miss this. But I sat one day in a place where I was stuck. And I was stuck in selfishness. And I was very stuck in being lazy, actually. And I said to, I asked the Lord, why do I not hear your voice like I used to? Why do I not get words anymore in the services? Why do I not get like prophetic words? And why can't I pray like I used to? And the Lord said to me this, because you're not doing what you used to do. Because I used to sit day in and day out in school and read the word and spend time with the Lord. I would finish my schoolwork, um, stewardship, very well. I would finish my schoolwork first, completely, very well. And I would take out my Bible and I would sit and I would read and I would read and I would ask the Lord questions and I spent time with Him and I contended for our relationship. And I, then I stopped. And so when the Lord said this to me, I'm like, hey. And so this whole thing of contending every message where it was mentioned, it was like playing back in my mind. I'm like, oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. And so I started contending and pushing in, digging my well, really digging my well. And then, funny thing, 
these things start coming back. But my relationship with the Lord now is something where the more I contended, the more these five things Uncle Dan mentioned started overflowing naturally. And out of a contended relationship or contended for a relationship with the Lord, these things started flowing out naturally. And I think if you want more, contend for it. Sit more in your, in your quiet time. Pray more. Don't just do a five-minute quiet time in the morning and say, you know what, I spend my time with the Lord, good to go, off we are. Myself and Uncle Dan, we sit and pray in the mornings in the car, and we pray maybe like for half an hour to an hour, and we push in, we dig deep, we contend for you guys, we contend for ourselves, we contend for our families and people, and for more of us, and more of a unity with us, and more of what the Lord's got for us. And just in that, just doing that at home in your quiet time, with friends, with people, contending more and more and more. That is what releases blessing. That is what releases favor. That is what brings this thing and these five things of favor to light. That is what brings the overflow. Just the spending of time personally, wholehearted, front-footed with the Lord. And so I want to encourage you guys. More. If you want more, give more. Thank you. Are you encouraged? I'm encouraged. Challenged? Yes. Encouraged. Thank you, Duran. So um, I'd love us to take uh, communion together. So.